Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, my name is Jonna, and I play football for Chelsea FC and for the Swedish national team. And you are listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast. For Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. A very happy Keith Lawrence, I should note. And joining me this week, he's a man who doesn't kick cats. He would prefer to kick Kenny Dalgleish in his day. And like me, he was also singing We Are The Champions on Saturday night with a glass of his finest. Here is Steve Wick. Steve. Back on the Blue Day podcast after Chelsea winning another trophy. That wasn't a bad weekend, was it? No, I think it's a great weekend. I think, um, you know, we should be very proud of our club. Um, when you consider all the all the hard times we've had with buckets going around the ground. and Help save the bridge, yep. And my era where we were literally going down the tubes uh, really big time. Um, and to now have the um, the honour and the title of world club champions, that to me is as good as it gets. One thing that I was thinking about after we won the trophy, and I was thinking of you because we were texting during the game and whatnot. I was thinking, obviously, I was weren't even born then, but obviously, since the podcast started, and I'm talking to former Chelsea players, and in '88. When Chelsea got relegated by the divisional playoff, which thankfully didn't occur after that season, losing to Middlesbrough and Chelsea went down to the second division. Can you imagine, or could you have imagined from that point where we would be over 30 years later? Well, I'm quite biased, but uh, I think when you're talking about the chairman we had then and the chairman we have now, I think you've got a role. And you had a well, I think you'd be a, bit, a little bit unfair on Skoda's, but I I think Roman Fiat um, Punto, Fiat Punto. Yeah, oh yeah, with <laughs> no end. Um, I think Roman has done absolutely brilliantly. He got hold of a club that was well struggling a bit, and he and do you know what? I was very very one of the stats that came out about the game on Saturday that 
that now means that Roman has won everything. And I think that man deserves it. He's put his money where his mouth is. He's made some very hard decisions. But how can you question someone that's won everything? Everything. Um, and I'm pleased for him. He deserves it. He's been and a not very... just winning a trophy one time and that's it. We've won multiple trophies, multiple right, Premier Leagues, multiple European Cups, multiple Have FA Cups. Have won more trophies than any other club over the last... I think it's... Uh, isn't it? Haven't we won more trophies than any other club in this country over the last ten years, fifteen years, or something? The last, I think it's fifteen to twenty years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's down to him. And I know, you know, we all went mad when Frank went. We all did, and uh, you know, any Chelsea person would feel, real Chelsea person will feel hurt when someone like Frank gets a sack. But you can't question it, can you? Now, in terms of what has been achieved, it's, it's, and I don't think Roman would have liked to have done that either. I think he would have had a heavy heart doing, making that decision. But the club comes first. Well, this is it. The club is treated as a business and it, it'll always be treated as a business. No matter, when it comes to money, it'll always be treated as a business and decisions have to be made for the good of that business rather than the good of fans' hearts. And, I remember I was gutted when Jose left the first time. I was gutted when Ancelotti left. I was gutted when Di Matteo left. I was saddened when Mourinho left the second time. And it nearly broke me when Conte left because I thought Conte was the actual answer to our problems. Now he... Now if you look at what he's doing at Tottenham with his double agent... Business, I think that's you know that's a stroke of genius from our part. So, so thank you, Mr. Conte, for that. But when wow. Lampard left, it, it it was a bit of a dagger to people's hearts because although he was born and raised West Ham, blah blah blah, he he was he was a Chelsea guy. He was an all time yeah. leading goal scorer. He was there in in the trenches at 2012 and all the heartbreaks in the European semi finals that we didn't win. He. And he was guiding a new Chelsea. It was an evolution of Chelsea. It wasn't us spending thirty million on a striker who, with a great pedigree, and it turns into a flop. This was going to be a new Chelsea with the academy, with Jody Morris's knowledge of the academy coming into the fold. Had a good run, twelve months, but obviously things wasn't working. And it happens in football. Everyone knows it happens in football. You know that. I know that. Tuchel's come in. Now, Tuchel's not going to be there for the next five years, but we know that because we know how the club is run. So I think Chelsea, should, the fans, yeah, enjoy it because no matter who the manager is, if the setup is in place whereby Roman makes the decisions and you've got the people all behind him with a bit of football knowledge that knows the football market, Chelsea will be fine. And you just look at them. They are not just European champions. We are world champions. World yeah. freaking champions. And I don't I don't want to be negative. I really don't. I wanted to bring this up. But the feedback that has been re- received 
about the Club World Championship. Steve, I wanted to get firstly your view on the Club World Championship. Do you consider it a serious trophy or do you consider it what TalkSport have been calling it, the Mickey Mouse Cup? I'll ask those Brazilian people that, that made trips of thank you thousand miles. Yep. That, that they were absolutely magnificent. The fans, the Brazilian fans, and it is revered. That trophy is revered in Brazil. And I think that, that every Chelsea fan here watching the game, no one could ever say, oh, it doesn't really matter if we, we lose. There's no way any Chelsea fan wanted us to lose that game. It, it was, it was, and what I love is the teams that knock it are the teams that are never going to win it. And when you've got that one and you've done that and you've achieved that, you know, I know it meant an awful lot to Liverpool. When they won it, they were absolutely chuffed. And uh, so should we be. We should be chuffed and very proud of, of how our club has developed. And, you know, and uh, you know what makes me laugh is well, I keep hearing Man City fans and Man United fans saying Chelsea have no history. <laughs> right? Well, we, do, we, uh, we had a fantastic history. Not in terms of you, you don't judge a club by silverware. You, you know, you judge, judge a club on if it's got the balls to survive when the thing's really down. Man City, to be fair to them, they survived when they were in the third division and they were, but mm. their fans were unbelievable. But, you know, we do have history. We have great history. And what we're doing is we're creating history. And it, in years to come, when people look back, no one will ever accuse us of not having any history anymore. There you go. There you go. And I do want to make a point of the Palmeiras supporters. And there was a couple of people on social media that was asking the question, you know, oh, my God, you know, they're taking this too seriously, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, to them, this is their Champions League final, so to speak. I know they've got the Copper Libertadores. But... Yeah. You try telling Thomas Tuchel that this trophy didn't matter because he was kept come going to the airport. He kept getting positive results with regards to his COVID tests. And it was only by the stroke of luck on the day of his flight, he got a negative result. But he kept persisting by taking tests and persisting by going to the airport. Are you telling me that this manager didn't care? about winning the trophy? Are you telling me someone like Aspilicueta, who has won, well, now has won everything, but beforehand, he's won Premier Leagues, he's won Champions League. Oh, it didn't matter to him. Rudiger's reaction when Havertz scored the penalty. Yeah. You're telling me that they treated this as a friendly competition? No, I don't think so. No. And I just feel that we should treat it seriously. So anybody, and the club, to their credit, have actually... Brought out the the new the new shirt for this season, and it's now got the FIFA Club World Championship badge firmly in the centre. The gold Something, star, the the gold the the gold star, yes, the gold badge. Yeah. My God, I would urge nearly every Chelsea. I know it's going to cost, and I've looked at the price, but I would urge every Chelsea supporter to go out and buy one because we are not world champions every single year. And it but just, no it, one can take that away from us, Keith. No one can take that away from us now. No, we've done it. We we ticked the box, and there isn't many clubs in this country that have done that, is there? 
No, only Manchester United and Liverpool. Liverpool. So, you know, we're up there. Yes. You know, too much bigger than those two clubs, do they? Well, ex- exactly right. In regards to the game itself, we, we won't touch on the semi-final too much because that was a complete bore. But the final itself, Palmeiras was tough opponent for us to break down and people are going to moan about Lukaku. We're not going to do that because at the end of the day, the stats will say Lukaku scored two goals in two games, one in the semi and one in the final. What do you, What else do you want him to do? So I thought Lukaku's performance wasn't as bad as what people made out. Great header. Fabulous. My God, what a header. Great header. Yeah. You know, and what, listen, you have a hundred million pound player out there, right? And for once we get a decent crossing where his strength, playing to his strength. Yeah. He scored a magnificent header. So surely what we got to do is actually play a little bit to his strength. Because, uh, listen, he's one of those players, when he's not scoring goals, you look at him and you think, oh, my God, you know, what? what is he, what is he offering? What, you know, he's not going to help play and, and come towards the ball and knock it off and be silky and classy. That's not, his, that's not his game. But his game is, when that ball gets into that six-yard box and he's going to attack the ball, that's his game. And I think that having seen that goal, the coach has got to play a little bit more to his strength. Because we're not at the moment. We're not playing to his strength at the moment. You know, I, I said to you, I text you at half time. And I said to you, the problem is we've got to up the tempo. Yes, you of did. The game. Yeah. We were, it was like if 10 goals is. You know, we used to play a five-a-side at Chelsea. If you got 10 passes in, it was a goal. Well, I think we'd have been about 50 up at half-time because we were passing for fun. But we, we were, when you get the ball, when you receive the ball, your first look has to be forward. Forward. We were looking across the lines, knocking it square. And I think in the second half, we upped the tempo and that was the difference between the, the, the two teams. And we look so much better for it. And I think that, um, you know, that's what we've got to do sometimes, is we've got to, we can't play a possession game when we have a centre forward. But if you get across that ball into the box, you know, and it's not only that, if, if he heads a goal, great. But when he goes up and he causes havoc, and the ball bounces down, it can achieve chances for other players to come in and score. That header Lukaku scored reminded me of a Drogba goal. Yes. Do you know one of the best goals no. I've ever seen was the goal in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich. That was one of the best headers I've ever seen. Uh, and that's what these guys are like. You know, give them a chance. Mm. Give them a chance. Sort of looking at how Chelsea played and looking how certain individuals played. Kante, I didn't think had his best game. And there's been a few people that have been talking about Kante's possibly declining ability a little bit. He is saying he's getting on, but he's getting to that sort of age where people are now saying, oh, he's in, he's on, he's now over 30. He needs to be struck off. Um, Jorginho, uh, 
decent midfielder, but I still think there's something missing in his game. And penalty-wise, I, I can't dispute. And I just think we're lacking midfield, still a, a, a natural goal scorer. Somebody who actually spoke to me on the um, on the podcast of Blue Day podcast Facebook message actually said to me that we're missing a Fabregas, which I responded in kind by saying... We're missing a Lampard. We're missing a Lampard. We are missing a Lampard. We're missing that 15, 20-goal midfield player. Absolutely. But one player who I thought done really well, and I just... Pains me to say it because I I don't want Chelsea spending too much money on on a wage a week. But for me, Rudiger was man of the match. And I'm looking at his game. I'm looking at the fact that for me, this is his best season ever as a professional footballer. What's the guy got to do to get the contract he wants? There's reports that he's turned down a £200, £200, Two hundred thousand pound a week contract. You're going back to my days, then, Keith. <laughs> oh, if only! Oh, if only! He's reportedly rejected a two hundred thousand pound a week contract. He wants slightly a bit more than that. What's the guy got to do to get the contract he wants? Listen, I, I don't know, but for me, his performances have been outstanding and. When it when it comes to player of the year, and Steve, you'll know this because your you know your good friend Ray Wilkins won it on an, a couple of occasions. You know, it's a great award to win. For me, it's it's got to be down to either Rudy or Aspilicueta this year. No, I think I think Rudiger has surprised me. I wasn't a big fan of Rudiger up until the last year. I, I always felt that you know when you look at Van Dyke. I always thought Van Dyke looked a class above Rudiger. But in this last year, he has added to his game, he's aggressive, which I think Van Dyke needs to have more aggression. I think Van Dyke wants to be so silky, I think he lacks that aggression sometimes. But he's he's proved that he wants to win. He's proved that he's quite aggressive and he's proved he can play. You know, all of a sudden he's playing two touch. Everywhere, as before, he'd have three touches and four touches. And yeah, he looked a little bit uncomfortable on the ball at times, I thought. But this last year, he's got to play in two touch. He's got aggressive. He's in, he's up everyone's backside and he's, he's putting pressure on them. And he's been outstanding. And, and it, it wasn't, I was listening to Talk Sport the other day and they were talking about the best centre backs in the, in the, in the Premier League. And, there was a lot of people that phoned in and said Rudiger over Van Dyke, and I think you know you look at that and you just think, well, you know, I think without doubt it's a statement of our ambition to re-sign him. I'm not so sure, Keith, that a deal hasn't been done with regard to him elsewhere, because if he's as happy as he says at Chelsea and he and where he wants a little bit more, I don't think Roman would risk anything for an extra, I don't know, 25 grand a week. I'm a little bit concerned that a deal has been done behind Chelsea's back. On this. And that's what I'm looking at at the moment, because I'm thinking, well, hold it a minute, Chelsea ain't going to let him go, and yet that deal isn't being signed. And I, I think there's something else in the background. Um, can I just come on to Kante? Yes, by all means. If you draw a line... 
um, in front of the back four, and that's where Jorginho plays. He plays there, he sits there, and he dictates play with his passing. I think what Kante does now and again, well, more now and again, is he's got a couple of different facets to his game. He's hit there, and he's the best defensive midfield player, winning tackles, nicking the ball. But I also think he drives forward. He goes forward. He attacks the space. If there's a big space in front of him, he goes. I don't think Jorginho does that. And I think he gives more in that position than Jorginho. And I, 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 I think Jorginho is made for the French game, the Italian game. I'm not so sure he's made for the English game. I think Kante, and people say, well, uh, I thought at times, him and Kovacic, who I thought every time there's 10 yards in front of him, he'd drive forward. And what that does, that keeps the team together. Because if you've got people hanging back, you leave gaps everywhere. So if the ball breaks down, there's gaps in our midfield. But with Kante and Kovacic, we're tight and we nick things back very quickly. And that's what I think is, is a difference. And I think in the Premier League, you need that. You know, it's like Pep's thing about six seconds and you win it back in six seconds. Mm. With, with Jorginho, you, you wouldn't do that. With Kante, you would. With Kovacic, you would. But Kovacic, to me, if, if he could just add a couple of goals to his game, I think he's a very, very good player. Very good player. Another player that I've been a fan of since we bought him. I was delighted when I heard the news. That, and I, I, mem- I remember where I was when the news came that we signed him. And since then, I've not been disappointed. He's been one of my favourite players in the Roman era. And that's Dave. That's Cesar Aspilicueta. We We touched on this a few weeks ago about, if not one of the best signings in the last 20, 25 years. He has won the lot with Chelsea. I'll ask you quick, Steve, in regards to his contract situation, do you think we should offer him a new a new deal? Not just because we won the Club World Championships, but what he brings to the table. And it was funny, I was listening to the commentary on the game on Saturday and Mark Hughes, former Chelsea striker, made the point in regards to Aspilicueta is... He'll, he will be a big loss, not just because of what he can give on, on the pitch, but it's off the pitch. pitch. And... He's, he's a leader of men. Mm. He, he, you know, very rare that you find leaders who have the integrity the, to set examples to young kids and players and players in the, within the club. He has been the most incredible... Uh, professional uh, um, and also if there was a knighthood in the Chelsea situation he'd be sir because of the way he's behaved the way the professional way he lives his life the leadership he gives to everyone the desire that that man has is unbelievable now where Chelsea come a little bit is they're off a Thiago Silva a contract He's 37, and don't get me wrong, if I could bottle Thiago Silva and keep the elixir and, keep, and feed it to my young players, God, even now he's one of the best centre-backs in, the, in, in <laughs> certainly in the country, but 
Aspilicueta, I think, is a diamond person to have within your club. Um, and I'd give him another. Yeah, he's one of those people who looks after himself. He can play for another two years. The situation that I've that, that I've been told, and from what I can gather from certain people inside the club, from what I've spoken to the last few weeks, obviously Chelsea are only going to give the one year deals to the over thirties, which is a policy that they've done for a while. So it's not like it's it's, it's not a new no, thing. Frank had that problem. They did it under John Terry and they've done it under Frank. So this is something that Chelsea fans know quite well about. But Cesar wants two years. And there's yeah. a club in Spain that are more than happy to give him what he wants because they need players. So do, we, do, do, we, do we buck Spaniard. under the pressure or do we go, thanks very much, thanks for your contributions, We'll see you down the road. I I will be sad when he goes. Oh, I think everyone... If he goes. I, I will be really, really sad if he goes. I think be absolutely gutted. But you know something? He's a Spaniard. Maybe one of his dreams was to play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. Maybe he looks at it as a great way to go out in his career and playing for one of his country's greatest teams. Mm. And it might be perfect for him to finish his career you know you've got to take that all it's like rudiger you know if Bayern munich came, uh came in for him or 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 real madrid or barcelona which we've all heard rumors about um i i would think that they would be well something that all these players have to think about and it's also, it's, it's also, you know, what, Aspilicueta, he's won everything. Yeah. He's done everything. What so else is there for him to do? When you look at it from a challenge. challenge point of view, if you look at a professional footballer, what do they want to achieve? Goals, ambitions. I, yeah, I, I know exactly what you was going to say. What is there else for him to achieve? He could win another yeah. League Cup because we're in the final. We could win another it's, FA Cup. Jesus Christ, yeah. who knows? We could even win another Champions League. But for Chelsea, what else is there for him to do? I, I get that point as well. So my mind says I think he'll go. I think he'll and, go and take his family back to Spain and play for one of the giants. That, And if he can turn them round, what a career that man's had. Um, we've just touched on Dave. I want to sort of briefly mention the manager. We talk, talk, spoke about him just a little bit, about his desire to want to win this trophy, which sort of should put a lot of doubt into other people's heads how much he was committed to win this trophy. But Thomas Tuchel, what now for him in regards to going forward? He's... He's won the Champions League. He's won the Super Cup. He's won the Club World Championship. Obviously, the target for him to to be remembered as one of the great Chelsea managers, if not already, has to be winning the league, surely. But how does he go about it? He's got a cup final against Liverpool, which I'm, I'm praying every day that we will win. 
and hoping Mo Salah and Mane have, have an off day. But what now for him long term, Steve? What do you envisage? Do you see this maybe as a manager for the next three years, perhaps? Maybe, uh, if, if he's given three years or is it? Is yeah, this listen, a he's done bloody well. He's, he's been, well, that's he's, right, exactly. I know, I know. But uh, um, yeah. This will sound crazy to some Chelsea fans. Is this the best it's going to be for him? Is it all going to be downhill or do we suspect there could be another little bit of glory coming Tuchel's way in regards to the league? Obviously not this season, but building towards next season. Um, I actually believe that the gap between Man City and Chelsea has widened substantially this year. And that concerns me. As a Chelsea fan, that concerns me. I think Man City have gone to another level. I think we, in many ways, have gone down a level in terms of, of the way we play. And I know that might be we just won the World Club Championship, but I'm talking about it playing the Premier League, which is a different animal altogether. But to me, number one, we're not scoring enough goals. We've got to get that right. We've got to we've got to score more goals. Um, we've got to either and a, a, a big decision that has to be made whether and I think. Lukaku's done a good sales pitch on himself back to Juventus, but if you get Haaland in, if you get Haaland in, if, if that's what he wants, because to me, there's something wrong between Lukaku and the, and the coach. Whether, I don't think that Thomas bore him, and I think he's not the sort of centre forward that he would like in his team. And there's a problem. That's got to be sorted out very, very quickly. We need, as I've said all along, and I've been quite consistent with this, we need a centre-forward that's going to score 20-plus goals a season. We also need a midfield player that's going to score between 10 and 15 a season. You have Mason, who's going to hopefully get to 10-12 this season, maybe a little bit more. Um but also, Mason isn't firing on all cylinders either at the moment. I'm a little bit concerned about his form. And Chelsea are winning trophies. And I'm looking at it and saying, yeah, but we're only firing off of two cylinders. There's so much more that we can achieve and so much more as a team that, that we can... Defensively, we're great. Defensively, we, we're great. We've got two very good goalkeepers. I just want to remind you, Keith Lawrence, We've got two very good goalkeepers. <laughs> right? Um, we've got a very good back four. Whoever you put, mind you, there's going to have to be changes. And, you know, the thought of signing De Ligt, and I've heard a couple of rumours about that. I'd love him to sign for Chelsea. I'd love him to sign for Chelsea, De Ligt. Um, but we still... It's, We've got a little bit of tweaking to do in order to get the Man City machine. Because they are a machine at the moment. And the difference is, we score a goal and all Chelsea fans are biting their fingernails because they want that second one to put the game out of reach. And so many games, we haven't done that. Man City, they score. Two, three, four, five. You know, they're relentless. And that's what we've got to become. 
I'm glad you mentioned Man City because this will bring me on to the main event of the show. Not sure if... Actually, I, I know he didn't play while while you were still playing, Steve. Do you remember a footballer by the name of Craig Burley? Now, this has been brought up to yeah. my attention a, a few times in the last 24 hours. Do you remember a footballer called Craig Burley? I certainly do, yeah. Right. Do you, have you heard what he has said in the, in the last 24, 48 hours about Chelsea in the Club World Championships? No. You haven't heard, right, OK. Firstly, if, for those... For those of you that may not be aware, Craig Burley played for Chelsea. He also played for other numerous clubs, I think Celtic and Derby in his time. But he, to some, he will be remembered for the player with no uh, two front teeth. But he'll also be remembered for the guy with the atrocious back pass in the 96 FA Cup semi-final against Manchester United at Villa Park, which allowed David Beckham to score the all-important goal, which knocked Chelsea out. Many Chelsea fans haven't uh, forgiven Mr. Burley for that. And I think Mr. Burley has not forgotten about that. And also how he was treated by a certain Rude Hullet as he was left out of the 97 FA Cup final squad. He was not, he was, he was not even on the bench. And he's made one or two sort of interesting remarks about that particular time, about how his wife was upset that he wasn't involved. And... Oh, God. It seems as if he's got a bit of, not just a chip on his shoulder, it feels like he's got a massive potato factory on his shoulders in regards to the amount of chips he's got. Mm-hmm. But he, he he does punditry for the, a show called on, e, on ESPN, which I do sometimes watch, but then I've realised that it's a load of nonsense and there's not really a lot of credibility into that show. So I try to avoid it. But... Mr. Burley, and this is on to a, a lot of the media outlets, um, it's got him, uh, Craig Burley slammed his former club for treating the competition, the Club World Championships, with, res- with respect live on air and took aim at the goal scorers Romelu Lukaku and Kai Havertz. This is the start of it, and I quote, I don't even watch this competition. I think it's a nonsense. They're off salivating about winning it. You've got Romelu Lukaku scoring a good header and you've got Kai, Hav- Kai Havertz scoring a penalty. Do it when it matters. I will continue. All right, Havertz scored in the Champions League final as they're off celebrating like they've won the World Cup. Manchester City are racking up a 16-point lead on Chelsea where it really matters, the Premier League. The big competition for them. They're off celebrating like the Club World Cup is the best thing since sliced bread. Meanwhile, they're getting their backsides booted all over the place by Man City. The Club World Cup is a showcase event, a plastic trophy. I don't buy a £100 million striker to win this bloody Club World Cup. I buy them to challenge Man City and Liverpool in the Premier League. End quote. He also tweeted, and it was pretty much what, um, was said in this interview as they're off celebrating like they've won the World Cup Man City are racking up a 16 point lead on Chelsea where it really matters I don't buy 100 billion pound strikers to win the bloody Club World Cup end quote there's been a lot of interesting feedback to Craig Burley some of it on Twitter Some, of, a lot of it I will not repeat because um, this is I do tend to see this as a family podcast, Steve, even though that, you know, certain comments have been made and certain words have been spoken. But 
I'm not going to repeat the feedback that Craig Burley received. I, I shall let the uh, listening public find that on Twitter and on Facebook. But uh, Jesus Christ, um, Steve, your thoughts, firstly. <laughs> uh, well, I think you've got to look at Craig Burley as an individual. You know, he's a little bit of a... He, I think he's sour. I think he's very sour towards Chelsea. I think he uh, obviously has a lot of grievances. Um, I understand where he's coming from because I've just stressed a little bit of concern that Man City have moved forward, uh, taken a step and gone even stronger. But what I can't believe is the way he just dismissed what Chelsea have achieved. Um, And to me, it sounds like a man with a grudge. And there's a lot of sour words coming out there. Um, Craig Burley, would he ever be remembered as one of Chelsea's greats? No. 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 Sorry, um, I shouldn't laugh. Sorry. No, I don't think so. And I, I shouldn't I think, laugh. And I just think a lot of people make their future and make money and get their contracts through being controversial. And I don't think there's any need for that. Man City have done well. They've done brilliant. We've done well to achieve what we I've always said, I've said to you, Keith, over, over again, I can't believe what we've achieved without a striker scoring 20 goals a season. Uh, I, you know, our leading goal scorer in the Champions League, eight goals that season. And I've always said, we have done so well. But you know something? I don't think Craig Burley would ever win a World Club Championship, would he, in his career? I wouldn't have thought that. Um, and I just think he's bitter, twisted, and he wants to cause havoc with the Chelsea fans, and I think we're giving him too much respect, to be honest with you. Well, Piers Morgan also made a comment on Twitter that I didn't overreact on because I knew... Tell you what, his, his, his... About, if you say about Piers Morgan, I'm going to get up and walk out. He made a comment basically saying that it's not the greatest competition, the best team in London didn't even win it, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of Chelsea fans picked up on it and started sort of slagging him off on Twitter. I just saw that as a comment. He was trying to ruffle a few feathers, and he has. But that's it was... Like it was Keith, that's unlike Piers to do that. That's very much unlike Mr Piers Morgan. But with the Burley one, it, it frustrated me a little bit. And I know that, yes, he, he played for Chelsea. Should he have a fondness and memories of Chelsea? Well, maybe at least a little bit. But should he, say Chelsea, should he say Chelsea are the greatest team in the world? Well, that's down to him. But he should, at least, as you say, he should at least have respect for, again, he's, he calls it a Mickey Mouse competition. We've just established within the last 30 minutes, Tuchel didn't see it as a Mickey Mouse competition. You speak to everyone in Palmeiras, would they treat it as a Mickey Mouse? Brazilians were at that final. Who travelled 7,000 miles. Yes, you know, if they hear what Mr. Burley said, they would have went completely nuts over it. So I just think people, and this is why I think some people shouldn't be pundits, but I feel partly sad for Mr. Burley that he has this little uh, fixation on trying to put a dampener on Chelsea's success. And it'll be interesting, actually, if Chelsea do win more trophies this season if he is actually going to be more of 
the Craig Burley that everyone knows or the Craig Burley that he might actually change it. It's funny, um, one of the Chelsea youth players by the name of Nick Crittington, very young, he came through the ranks at Chelsea, didn't play many games, but he actually tweeted in response to Mr Burley by saying that he cleaned Craig Burley's boots for a time while he was, you know, coming through the ranks at Chelsea. And one Christmas, Craig Burley, where other players would give the youngsters uh, quite, not not free figures money, but enough as a thank you, as a token. Hey, they give 100 quid. They give 100 quid for Christmas. Right. Craig Burley gave this Nick Crittenton 30 quid. Well, there you go. But he is Scottish, Keith. <laughs> you know, so you can't expect, you know, you can't expect much from them. You'd be, you'd be nice to our Scottish followers. Come on. You'd be nice. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. Let's get something straight. Craig Burley is a big Celtic fan. I wonder what Craig Burley would say if Celtic won the World Club Championship. And actually, they've got a chance because it's being made in Fantasy Island next year. <laughs> I think Craig. I think this is the only time Mr. Craig Burley is going to be on the Blue Day podcast. So I think for, I do believe we should move on from there. But we'll all we we will end on a good note. We will talk about sort of previewing where we think Chelsea could. This is a very important week for Chelsea. Sorry, important month for Chelsea. Palace on the 19th, Lille on the 22nd, which I will be. I'll be there at Stamford Bridge on the on the 22nd. And then we've got the Carabao Cup finals. Steve, do you think this yeah. will be a good month for Chelsea for in the next three games? Uh, I hope so. I think, I, I th- I think that the Palace game we've got to win um, and that keeps us flowing. Uh, we should beat Lille. We we should beat them uh, over two legs. It'd be a big surprise if we don't. Liverpool and Chelsea—they're always tight games. They're, they're never. It's going to be a tight game. Um, but if we come out of that to get to the next round of the Champions League, beat Crystal Palace to secure third spot and win the Carabao Cup, I think it would be fantastic. It'd be a fantastic, you know. So, what I look at now is, is you can look at the negative if we get beaten here or if we get beaten there. But we're at a stage in the season where there's so much to to win and to achieve that it's exciting, and I think we should in, 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 embrace it and not be scared of it. Embrace the excitement. So, we're going to be this month. We're going to be sort of reviewing more of the Chelsea games the ones in the Premier League and the Champions League. We will be back next week to review the Crystal Palace game. We might even be back as well in time for the Lille game and preview in the cup final. So we will be doing that next week. But we also just want to touch on briefly the latest one-to-one interview that we had recently. And that was with striker, Luton legend, Mick Harford. Had him on the show his interview was last week, Steve. Just briefly, because I, I, I believe you was, uh, I, I believe you've, you've you've come up against Mick once or twice in your playing career. Do you have any memories of coming up against him being a striker? Yeah, he's got very sharp elbows. 
No, he's a handful. Mick was a handful. He was a, he was a, he'd give everything. He was very physical. He tried to intimidate you. Um, and he was a good player. You know, he's one of those players you want in your team. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, and you've seen him, have you? Because I'd love to have sent, sent my regards to him. Got the great respect for him. We, we had some real bruising battles and uh, we always shook hands afterwards and had a beer in the bar. And uh, no, like him very much. Well, it was his birthday as well on the 12th of Feb on the Saturday. So on behalf of the podcast, I would like to wish Mick uh, a belated happy birthday. Yeah. It was great to have him on on the show last week, reflecting back on his Chelsea career, albeit it was only just for just under a season, but it was certainly one that it was worth talking about. So if you want to catch that one, as well as the other interviews that we've done since the podcast has begun, be sure to catch us on YouTube, find us at the Blue Day Podcast, and find us wherever wherever else you find your yeah. favourite podcast at the Blue Day Podcast. We will be having more great guests coming on the show very, very soon. More details will be announced as soon as the time is right. Um, but as I said, next week... We're going to have fun reviewing the Crystal Palace and potentially the Lille game. So all that's left for me to say is hope you all have a good week. Nice to hear that Chelsea are not just champions of Europe, but champions of the world. I'm going to go back now and listen to Queen. We are the champions song one more time. Steve, anything else that you'd like to say before I wrap it up? Yeah, I'm going to put on Tears for Fears. Everybody Every wants to rule the world. the world. Brilliant song. Brilliant song by a brilliant band. Yeah. He's been Steve Wicks. I've been Keith Lawrence. Keep the blue flag flying. Stay safe and carefree. Podcast Network.